like as creatives, we have the tendency to put our all into everything. And architecture is definitely one of those careers that ends up taking over your life. And this is where the whole overwork culture and, you know, that kind of thing stems from is because we are perfectionists. And so we want that gratification of having exceptional work and hitting the deadline. Welcome to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela here and welcome to this episode of Architecting. I am really excited today to have as my guest, Sana Sebastian of To Scale. And I was really excited because I thought there was a lot of alignment with the work that Sana's doing, the problems she saw that she's on a mission to fix and the work that we're doing in this community. So welcome, Sana. Thank you, Angela. Thanks for having me on. Can you give a little bit of your background? What led you down this path? And what is really your mission with reaching out to people with your message? Sure. So um, I started studying architecture in 2016. And um, so I'm based in London. And I graduated, obviously, in 2019, after which I felt like you know, I was supposed to go down this traditional route of becoming an architect, take a year out and work in practice. Things obviously didn't go to plan. And I spent almost that entire year just looking for a job. And so I thought to myself, there must be something else I can do with my time, build my skills, help people out is the main thing, because I found that in my undergraduate, I was often quite lost because I didn't really have that sort of background knowledge as other students did about architecture. It was all very new to me. So, uh, after that, I sort of thought, okay, well, let me, you know, start creating a blog, add some resources, tutorials, that kind of thing, to just help other people out there, like students like me. Um, and that's where I think Two Scale kind of grew from. That's amazing. I definitely think that when we are students, we're sort of getting whiplash, right? One professor tells you one thing, another professor tells you another thing, and it's really hard to know what should I do. So I love that you wanted to put those resources out there and give back. What would you say is probably the foundational element, though, in finding your way? Find everything, I suppose, because having no previous knowledge or not really knowing much about what the path entails to become an architect, for example, Um, It was just mainly just about trying everything I could at least once and figuring out whether that was for me. And that's what I encourage a lot of other students to do as well, like regardless of where they are in their journey. That's a great point. It's like if you'd never had ice cream and somebody said to you, what's your favorite flavor? You wouldn't be able to answer the question. Or if you'd Mm -hmm. only ever had vanilla. So you Mm -hmm. do have to try a lot of different things which kind of segues into this idea of failure and the stigma around it. 
if you're going to try a lot of different things, obviously not all of them are going to work out so well. So how do you coach people through that experimental process and help them get something meaningful that helps them make decisions? Yeah. So I think, you know how, I think Instagram is one of those platforms, right? Which everyone says, well, you only really see a sort of highlight of someone's life. You only really see the good parts. People don't really like to put out, you know, when they actually are going through tough times or when they're sort of um, having a creative block, for example. But I think that's not really true because you can put these things out there. It's just that not many people do, which is fair enough. But I think um, in terms of how do I make it a bit more normalize is just by sharing these things myself because obviously no one's really perfect and it's not like I'm amazing at architecture I think it's kind of like you're always learning something and you're always sort of improving your skills so whenever I do have moments where I'm going through that creative block or I'm really stuck on a design element or something I make sure to also share those bits too rather than just okay well here's my work and here's what I'm doing it's actually well you know, today didn't go that great because I really didn't do anything. I procrastinated. It happened. Um, and you just have to be really, really sort of honest with your community as well. I think that's the key to kind of growing a community online too, especially seeing failures as like just the next step. It's going to get you one step closer to the outcome that you wish to have, really. You started the blog to really be a resource for students. How has it evolved as you've gone through your own mm-hmm. career journey? There's two parts to it, right? I think main the main thing was to get these resources out, get some sort of tutorials out because I personally found a lack of these things on the internet. Um, and then as the platform sort of started growing, I think the whole social media side of it was quite unexpected because I love writing. And so my main focus was on writing this blog, whereas I never really thought to interact with other students in the UK and around the world. And so I then realized actually I could use this as an opportunity to grow myself as a person. So if you had spoken to me about like two or three years ago, I would have absolutely been terrified to do a podcast, for example, because I'm very sort of shy. I really don't like public speaking, that kind of thing. And so I thought, okay, well, I can start using this as an opportunity to put myself out there, not just for, um, you know, future purposes for getting a job or, you know, working in the industry, but actually just to improve myself as a person and try new things. I think the key was really to just be quite consistent with things and just kind of keep going. And then eventually I realized my strengths or the things that my audience were looking for was, you know, stuff like how to manage your time, how to make sure you finish off your to-do list in an efficient way, but still make it fun. So I think that's something that architecture students really overlook is the fact that you know, we're all trying to be super efficient and trying to get as much work as we can, but no one's really stopping and thinking about, well, am I actually enjoying this? I think now it's kind of about, you know, bringing in that element and just being, just kind of developing really healthy habits too. Yeah, that is so important. I think it it kind of starts in school where you're really through the crit system and the way studio Mm -hmm. classes are structured. I'm assuming it's similar in the UK as it is here in the US, but what are your thoughts on that system and how that sets up a culture of design? I always like to say, because it really is sort of like, this is the way and you must follow Mm -hmm. it. And how do you break that mold? 
for the most part, architecture school remains unchanged. The only difference now is that there are sort of emerging individuals who are speaking up about it and offering their advice or offering some kind of um, solidarity or, you know, just something that makes us feel like we're not alone in this journey. You mentioned that um, architecture school does set you up for your, the way you work in practice, for example. Um, I think that's so true. And I think stuff like that needs to change. I think it's only just beginning here, at least. People are sort of trying to rephrase the whole crit idea. They're kind of turning it into reviews, having a bit more collaboration involved. So there is scope for it to um, improve for sure. And I think the whole kind of education system does need another look at. But in terms of breaking the mold, I would say, um, I think there's like a huge disconnect between university and practice or university and, you know, career paths in general. I think most architecture students don't necessarily realise that there is much more to your career than just going down that traditional route. I didn't realise this myself, but when I started architecture, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, start this journey and do the whole seven plus years and become an architect. I didn't realize that actually you could specialize in visualization. You could do, you know, you find a niche industry you're interested in. You could do the whole social media thing if you really wanted to and start your own business. So uh, I think that lack of knowledge is something that I'm hoping that people are starting to more, you know, bring out a bit more and just make accessible for everyone to understand that it's okay if you don't go down that traditional route you don't really have to that's very important um i know in the u.s i'm assuming it's very very similar there's sort of this well first you're an intern and then mm -hmm. maybe you're a project architect or a designer you got to choose mm -hmm. and then you're a project manager and and it's a very linear path with a lot of milestones and boxes to check along the way but yep. That's somebody else's career path. It may or may not be the right one for you. And a, a lot of the work I'm trying to promote at architecting is stop checking boxes on somebody else's list. You know, Absolutely. think more about exactly what you said. What do you want to do? What brings mm -hmm. you joy? Where are you interested? And that, yes, you can specialize. It's okay to only do the stuff you love because you'll do it better and with mm -hmm. more passion and it will have more impact. What strategies do you uh, like to help people put in place so that they can shift in that way and not get caught up in, mm -hmm. I call it the external validation trap of doing what they think they should be doing. It comes back to the same thing of just trying everything because obviously uh, when I speak to architects and senior architects and things, I'm on a very you know, I'm in like some very early stages in my career, I would say. So it's really sort of interesting to kind of see or hear about what they would have done differently or, you know, what they encourage younger, um, the younger generation to kind of try. And it's most often is just to persevere and just do the things that you really enjoy. It's not treating it as like a hobby or anything in that sense. It's more just so do you see yourself doing this on a on a daily basis kind of thing? And I think from what I've learned personally trying everything I worked at a practice for about a year and at the end of it I realized maybe this isn't for me maybe the whole nine to five thing 
is not really for me and the practice was great the experience was wonderful and I learned so much but I realized that there's a huge difference in what I thought um, being an architect would be on a day-to-day basis um, than than what it actually is and what it actually entails and of course that's just been one experience so my goal is not to completely dismiss it but to actually try again and have another experience and kind of see where it takes me and if it doesn't work out then I'm all good with that so yeah I think it's definitely just about trying everything at least once for a little while or putting yourself out there even um, I tell graduates to you know get on LinkedIn make use of it have a go at least because you never know what kind of connections you can make and how it could sort of send you on a different trajectory altogether. I really am so happy to hear that you are willing to be that advocate and even in your own life. I mean, it takes a mm-hmm. lot of courage to say, I've got a good job, but it's not good enough. It, yeah. It's not It's not right because I think a lot of people will slog away. They're really kind of worried it, that, well, if I leave this, is it really going to be better? Maybe mm-hmm. I should stay and they play it safe. Yeah. So I think it takes a lot of courage to make that leap, even when on the outside looking in, it looked like everything was fine. How do you know, though? How do you know when you should stick it out or when you should say, I need to try something different? Maybe it's kind of just about um, taking it sort of one step at a time. If you're already in a job and you might want to try something new, maybe just give yourself a day a week to start working on it. Um, so this is something that I do with like projects, for example. So for the past two years, I wasn't a student. I was, I was, um, you know, working on the blog and then the next year I was at a job. And so most of the projects that I was doing were kind of on the side. They weren't really my full focus. Um, and even now, beginning university, I'm, I'm still kind of trying to find that balance. So I think if, if you're looking to do something but you're really unsure whether to, you know, commit to it and take that leap. I think it'd just be about doing it sort of, yeah, once a, once a week or something and figuring out whether that is really bringing you joy. So another thing that I do with most projects is just plan everything out. I think having a solid plan is the best way to, to start, at least. Yeah, so when you're doing that, are you also planning the um, experiences you want to get from mm-hmm. working so if there are certain things you want to learn or skill mm-hmm. sets you want to develop yeah definitely yeah I think um so for example in practice I worked at a very small practice uh under 20 people so they all have a sort of way of doing certain things right as you do in most practices like operating procedures and stuff but I really wanted to take that a step further and introduce new ways of like visualizing plans or you know creating um, perspective images and whatnot and so I sort of suggested that maybe we try something this way and that way and actually that was taken on board really really well so it's just literally about I think if you have particular strengths suggest them and it could you know lead to something great and now they actually have embedded that into their workflow too so um, now they're sort of also branching out and finding different ways of doing things I think it's a really cool thing to have is just being able to know when you can kind of take your skills a step further I think if you think about it in the sense that you're not really doing anything for a particular experience but it'll help you grow as a person even if you don't see it in that moment I think that's really under underrated and undervalued because people often think okay well 
if I have to get a job, maybe I have to learn Revit or Rhino or whatever software it is. But actually, if you think about it in the sense that if I give this software a month of my time to just create something out of it, then I can say I've got a basic understanding and it's not for anything in particular, like it's not for a job in particular, it's mainly for yourself and building that skill. And then maybe down the line, you realize that actually it helped me or it could you know, set you on a different path. So for example, with, um, with MadCon setting that up, I learned a bunch of skills about like video editing, putting together a conference, how to kind of interact with people, getting sponsorships. So that was kind of like a whole different area to grow. But it helped me uh, because I think I gained loads of skills on how to communicate with people and how to kind of um, organize things in a, on a bigger sort of larger scale. I mean, what is just so amazing as you've been talking and we've hit on a bunch of different topics, but the through line here is that you are fearless. You really are willing, if something interests you, to learn about it, to try it and to pursue it kind of relentlessly. Um you know, saying, well, let me just try this and I'm going to do it on the side. I'm not waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and ask me or to give me permission. I'm going to do what I want to do and then I'll bring it back to them. I mean, I love that you were able to feel comfortable enough to make suggestions to establish people at a firm on, hey, I think this could be better if we tried it this way. So many younger professionals are afraid to do that. Absolutely. I think it's really, you know, people often ask me, okay, well, what do you have to look for in a firm? You know, do I go for a larger practice? Do I go for a smaller practice? And um, usually for, you know, someone who's just graduated and done their undergrad, the common advice is to go for a smaller practice just because you can ease into it. Totally agree with that because I think from what I've heard, who from people who have worked at bigger practices is that sometimes you kind of just get a bit lost and you don't really get to interact with I guess senior architects or directors on that level but it's also really about finding a group of people or you know a company that really values your opinion as well and that's what I found at that practice is because they were consistently encouraging me to um, research into because they specialized in um, care home design so, you know, research into that industry, figure out, you know, what kinds of things are being innovated right now and um, how can we improve upon it? And so that helped me get a better understanding of that niche, like as a whole as well, but then also be able to bring my own ideas to the table. And I think having that sort of very sort of accommodating nature was was the key to and that's a great point that you need to interview the company just as they need to interview you, because even if you love their work, if it's not a good fit culturally, you're not going to be happy working there. Definitely. Yeah. What would you say are the biggest challenges that young architects are facing today as they navigate a profession that's frankly going through its own major evolution? Say there are a couple of uh, and challenges. I think one of them is definitely that disconnect between um, students and architects and the kind of lack of information because I feel like it's it's really easy for practices to outright say, you know, students are underprepared and they don't have the experience that we're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. And 
it's really frustrating as a as a graduate and I felt that personally is that you know you go through three years of creating these hypothetical amazing um, designs but actually none of these skills translate really well into practice so I think that's what um, that's what people are sort of trying to change now is to kind of have that reality check with um, the education and say well look where this kind of approach isn't really going to help us in the long run so we need to kind of bring that collaborative element you know there's courses now that are um, integrating a placement or integrating work with practices and consultants and I think that's definitely the way forward so I think stuff is sort of beginning to take a turn for the better. So definitely making the education experience more practical, maybe even yes. having more co-op opportunities. So you get to see for yourself the experience mm-hmm. of working in a firm. One thing I notice, a, a lot of my audience is more that mid-career architect. And in some ways, they're kind of dead inside. And they've lost that connection between all the passion they had mm-hmm. when they were in school what they're doing now. And they've just kind of fallen into this busyness trap where it's all about, I, I, I have work to do. I need to focus. Yeah. I need to make my clients happy. I need to hit the deadline. And all of that's obviously important and necessary, but it's not the why. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll ask people, well, why did you want to go to school for architecture in the first place? And it really kind of stops them because of how far they have shut down from those early days. I know you're still in a different phase of career, but any thoughts on how to keep that connection strong so that as you make career choices, you are keeping that alive instead of suppressing it to just do a lot of you know, task-based kind of work. Mm-hmm. I think I've actually spoken to a few people who, even after their masters, for example, they say, actually, I'm just going to take a break from architecture as a whole. And I think that's such a good idea because I feel like as creatives, we have the tendency to put our all into everything. And architecture is definitely one of those careers that ends up taking over your life. And this is where the whole overwork culture and you know that kind of thing stems from is because we are perfectionists and so we want that gratification of having exceptional work and hitting the deadline for example and that sort of thing so I think definitely taking a break sounds very appealing because you do need that sort of step away from um, okay well I've done this degree I've had a few experiences where is my career going to go next but also I think networking is quite um an important factor because I've been able to for example connect with so many individuals and and these are people who are they haven't gone down that traditional route they're also doing amazing things for themselves so I've been able to kind of see well you know this person actually even though they were an architect for x amount of years they then stopped and started their own thing you know and it's working out well for them so I think having those people in your network and in your circle is really important as well because then you can kind of tell yourself it's okay because you know they're amazing and they're really successful and so 
that is an option for you too. There's definitely a line of thinking out there that is so true. You know, if you can see it, you can be it. When you see something modeled for you, it doesn't feel so scary. But when you only see one system, one way, if you don't feel like you fit, it can come to feeling very polarizing is I either have to change to fit in or leave. And there's no other option. And actually there's all kinds of shades of gray there in the middle. But if you don't see it modeled, not only do you not know that it's possible, but how, how do I Mm. do it is, is another, another big thing. As we're talking about the profession becoming more, more Um, specialized in many ways. um, And you can specialize in anything, whether it's a philosophy like sustainability or research or things related to building science or related to, um, you know, computing and generating options. There's just a million different ways you can think about going and you really can forge your own path because you you can start to say, I like this better than that. I love your suggestion about trying things. If we think about how all these things that are popping up right now Mm -hmm. are going to eventually shape how people think about who are architects, what value do we provide? If you were to look into your crystal ball, what are your thoughts on how the profession is being shaped and the impact it's possible to have. So I think basically, I feel like um, people who, I suppose, uh, the generation before me have sort of grown up with this architect culture, right? Looking up to architects and looking at how they live and almost like a celebrity in their own, in our uh, industry. But I think now it's kind of like this age for the younger generation to kind of do their own thing or be okay with not doing the traditional thing and even if you do want to pursue that that's totally fine it's amazing I think that takes a lot of hard work and perseverance and commitment so I think in terms of how the profession is shifting and changing there is definitely a rise in people who are more open to the fact that actually you know I don't want to do this I have other passions and there are ways to merge those passions really as well something like film or set design or social media or whatever it is I think we're now beginning to realize that architecture also works as a stepping stone in a sense and you know it doesn't have to be limited to that bubble so I'm hoping that also brings forward a lot of positive changes in terms of the way we see um, you know BAME people in the industry and you know how we're getting paid and you know the sort of overworking stress all-nighter culture which I absolutely detest because I think it just like you said earlier, I think it just undervalues ourselves and we're doing a disservice to our craft in a sense because we have all this creativity and we have all this passion, but we're being fair to ourselves, I suppose, is the way of putting it. Actually, I've heard you talk about procrastination before uh-huh. and you've also mentioned today perfectionism and I see them as very connected. The perfectionism is a way to not put yourself out there, right? Because you it yeah. has to be good enough first. And procrastination is about having the energy and the motivation to do it. So they're sort of two sides of the same coin. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a lot of students 
and a lot of practices even who are on social media they refuse to share any of the behind the scenes or any of the sort of development work for example which I think is really is a huge shame because I think there is a lot you can learn from that but also um, I, I don't see why not I don't see why you can't share those kinds of things too because I think that's equally interesting as the final outcome so I always suggest to students to you know continue sharing your work even if it's not in that final stage yet because that will kind of let you open up um, to the fact that you know nothing has to be amazingly perfect of course like you know we're always iterating but actually there is also a point where you need to stop and just be like actually this is good enough this is great you know and you're happy with it um, like for, for a huge time I was really unhappy with one of the projects I did in undergraduate and I kept telling myself I could have done so much better if I had more time if I had more this and then I just ended up didn't really enjoying it towards the end which was a shame and I realized that in my third year and I thought actually let me just go all in and just try and enjoy the narrative or the sort of creating these illustrations for example and that turned out to be a much better project as a whole so once you kind of keep sort of slowly um building up the, the fact that you can share these things online, then you get to a certain point and you say, okay, well, now I can just kind of share everything and it's fine. And, you know, you then also start to realize that this I can actually help other people who are looking at this work. And it's really, really crazy because I think as a whole, we haven't really understood the power of community, which is why I always go on about community, even, you know, regardless of creators and influencers, students as a whole practices practices don't really necessarily share that much on social media they don't really kind of like put themselves out there it's all very you know professional and corporate and stuff but I think if if they started to and some some are I think that would make for a much more interesting conversation and discourse because then we can start to say okay well this is how things are done in practice so actually maybe I don't need to put so much pressure on myself while I'm just a student right Right. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it goes back to this idea of collaboration as well. And we can't collaborate if we're in a competitive mindset, because we will take our part and hold it really close and make it precious Mm -hmm. until we feel like it's quote unquote, good enough to share. And I love your point, you only need to be one step ahead. You only need to be able to share the idea because once you put it out there, the team is going to take over, the community is going to take over, and it doesn't have to have so much ownership. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I think, yeah, even personally, I've learned since coming back to university, I've been able to share these things a lot more on social media. And so I've realized that it's a much more positive community than you might think it is. Because I know we've gone about competitiveness within the industry and people are sort of very closed off to their own work and to other people's work. But I've gotten so many amazing suggestions from people, you know, why don't you look at this reference? Why don't you try this out? And stuff like that, little things that have helped me move forward in my design process. So it's all thanks to like the community and you don't really realize this unless you put yourself out there. So I think definitely people need to start going for it and just doing it. (laughs) Well, great. Thank you so much, Sana, for taking the time to chat with me today. Just so 
much gold has been <laughs> dropped Thank today. You so much. And I know that everyone will want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing and how they can join your community. So can you tell us how we can find you and what resources you've got? Absolutely. So um, you can find me on Instagram at 2.scale. I also have a blog. It's 2scaleblog.co.uk. Um, and we also have an amazing little uh, architecture community on Discord. So you can find that through my social media as well. And just, yeah, keep an eye out for any kind of like projects. I'm doing a few collaborations this year and also doing another round of the Scale Studio that will come out in the summer. So uh, that's what I'm working on at the moment. But I'm happy to hear from anyone. And if I can't answer any questions, then I'll definitely direct you to someone I know that could. So that's what I always say is just, you know, do interact and do engage. Oh, that's so generous of you. So everyone, I know you got some great insights today. Go to Instagram, share what you learn and tag Sana. She is at two scale, as she said, and I'm sure she would really love to hear from you and how this has helped you and definitely make sure that you follow her and join her community. Thank you so much again for being here. I love the work that you're doing to really make people aware of what's possible in their careers. Thank you. Thanks, Angela. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. (laughs) Thank you.